I know that nearly every true crime podcast has done an episode about Donald Henry Gaskins. Better known. What? It's our turn. He's better known as Pee Wee Gaskins. Have you ever heard of Pee Wee Gaskins? No, but I heard about Pee Wee Herman. He's a legend. Okay. Well, they're not the same people, but Pee Wee's—he's pretty notorious for his own reasons. But anyway, so I'm not gonna let just because it's done like probably thousands of times, I'm not gonna let that stop me. We're gonna do our own today on on this episode of Mystery Murder and Magic. I recently mentioned that while we were in Tennessee at the beginning of April, I visited Alcatraz East. There was pretty much every serial killer and pretty much every murderer known to man there, but one that I didn't see anything about was Pee Wee Gaskins. Maybe I missed it, but I was a little shocked. Um, I really thought that they would have like one little section dedicated to him. But anyway... Donald Gaskins was born on March 13, 1933, in Florence County, South Carolina. He was teased about his small stature when he was a kid, and it earned him the nickname Pee-wee very early on in his life. As a child, his stepfather beat him often, and he fought with the kids at school a lot. So, as you can see, violence was a big part of his life from a very young age. When he was just 11 years old, he quit school and started working on cars at a local garage. Now, can you imagine being 11 years old and, like, working on cars? I mean, that's a year younger than, than your brother, Nick. How would you know about cars, then? Like, when you're 11 years old, like, the only thing you would know about cars is that you had toy cars or something. Yeah, I mean, unless he just had a natural knack, you know, for that type of thing. I don't know. Now, while he was working there, he met up with two boys named Danny and Marsh. Now, the three of these boys were around the same age, and they all had quit school, so they decided to team up, and they called themselves the Trouble Trio. They would burglarize homes, pick up prostitutes. Now, remember I said around 11 years old. Pick up prostitutes, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they even raped little boys, and I think that's just nasty. That's sick no to say the least just horrible and they would threaten those little boys so that they wouldn't go to the police now after they gang raped marsh's little sister the group broke up for punishments the parents beat them until they bled danny and marsh left the area but peewee continued to break into houses and in 1946 a girl that he knew interrupted him while he was attempting to break into her home. She struck him in the head with an axe, but he managed to get away from her and then struck her in the head and arm before he ran away. Now, fortunately, the girl didn't suffer any major injuries, and Pee-wee was later arrested and charged with assault with a deadly weapon and intent to kill. He was sent to the South Carolina Industrial School for Boys until he turned 18. So, yeah, you're hearing that right. He had burglarized homes, raped little boys, uh, paid for 
whatever he did with prostitutes um and participated in a gang rape of his friend's sister and attacked another girl all before he turned 18. Way before. And it had to be way before he turned 18 because once he got to that um, reform school, he was soon being attacked and he was raped there because he was small for his size. He spent most of his time at the school either trying to escape or trading sex for protection from the boss boy at the school. Eventually, he did escape. So, he wasn't even 18, or close to 18, I guess, when he did all of that. I, I don't... It's just hard to imagine. I don't even want to think about that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean... Before you, it's, 18. Yeah, I mean, you you just turned 18... And you would have never thought of doing any of that to anybody. But you're built different. I've heard you say that. I'm built different. Okay. Now, um, when he escaped from that, um, that reform school, he joined a traveling carnival. And while he was working with that carnival, he married a 13-year-old girl. But then he decided to turn himself back in so he could finish doing his sentence at that reform school. Now, after his release, he went to work on a tobacco farm. While he was working there, he started collaborating with farmers to commit insurance fraud. He'd burn their barns down so that the farmer could collect insurance money and they would pay him a profit, you know, so he would profit from doing all this. They paid him like a little you know, bit from whatever they collected, you know. Well, people started talking and speculating that Pee Wee had something to do with the barn fires. The daughter of one of his employers questioned him about his involvement, and he panicked. And he hit her, he split her skull open with a hammer. Now, this is a very dangerous man. And, I mean, but somehow she survived. Like, he did split her skull open. But she survived, and he was sentenced to just five years in prison for doing that. Um, while he was in prison, he committed his first murder. And this was his attempt to become the big dog so that they would leave him alone. I guess he figured that if if he was, like, came across as a badass, that yeah. they wouldn't mess with him. Well, he got his wish to be left alone because... When they found out that he had killed the other inmate, he was found guilty of manslaughter, and he was sentenced to six months in solitary confinement. So, you know, when you're in solitary confinement in prison, you don't have contact with anybody but the guards. So, he got what he wanted. Now, fast forward a couple of years to 1955, and his child bride, the 13-year-old he married from the carnival, she filed for divorce, and he lost his mind. He flipped out. Um, so he was, he was still in prison and he, you know, he found out that she had filed and, you know, he didn't really do anything other than, um, he got, he remarried, he married for a second time, but that second marriage was even shorter than the first one because soon he became involved with a lady named Betty Gates. Now, Betty talked him into going to Tennessee with her to bail out her brother, but Pee-wee was in for a big surprise. 
Because when they got to the hotel, it was revealed that it was actually Betty's husband, not her brother. And he had recently escaped from prison himself. So then the cops show up at the hotel, and Pee-wee's taken into custody because, remember, he was in, he he had just escaped from that prison when he found out um, the first wife was divorcing him. So um, he got an additional nine months tacked on to that sentence that he was supposed to be serving for aiding the escape of a prisoner. Now, okay, you're out. Of course, unless she lied to him. Um, I'm not taking his side, but she did lie to him about who they were helping out. But don't you think that if you're already on the run because you escaped prison, you're not going to do something stupid like help somebody else escape prison, whether it was her brother or her husband? You, I would, I would be laying low, you know? Yeah, that is true. True, true, true. Well, in 1961, he had finished serving his time in prison and he was released, and he returned to South Carolina. Soon he was back to burglarizing homes, and he avoided being arrested because he started working under the guise of being the driver of a traveling preacher. Um, that type of work, it was like the perfect setup for him because they would travel like from town to town nearly undetected, so nobody was tying him like to all the homes being broken into. <laughs> The next year, Pee Wee was arrested for the statutory rape of a 12-year-old girl. But once again, he escaped and took off to North Carolina in a stolen car. While he was in North Carolina, he met a 17-year-old girl who he married. She eventually turned him into the police for the charge um, he was running from, and he served six months for it. When he was paroled in 1968, he swore he would never return to prison again. The very next year, 1969, Pee-wee met a female hitchhiker in North Carolina. He must have had some really twisted fantasies that he wanted to make a reality because she laughed at him when he propositioned her with him. Her, her laughter, it infuriated him, so he beat her until she was unconscious. Then he raped her, sodomized her, and tortured her. And when he was finished, he weighted her body and threw her into a swamp where she drowned. He's a pretty sick ticket, I think. He really is. That's crazy. I agree. Um, It seemed that Pee-wee preferred to to kill females, but during his killing spree, which took place between 1969 and 1975, the bodies of both males and females were found along the highway. Um, Gaskins considered those random highway murders as weekend recreation. But he, um, but when he killed his acquaintances or his friends, he considered those as serious murders. One such murder was the murder of his 15-year-old niece and her friend. And he did that. He, he lured them to um, an abandoned house where he tried to rape them. But when he failed to rape them, he beat them to death. And, and get this, he even visited his sister. Not, it wasn't the girl's mother, but another sister. And they had coffee and cake the whole time that girl's, um, his niece's body was in the trunk of his car while he's visiting family. And all they know is the girl is missing. So, I mean, he just driving around with his niece's body in the trunk of his car. They didn't, they didn't even know or anything at all. Mm-mm. Like, that's crazy to think. Like, they were, like, it was pronounced that she was missing. 
and then he was there with them, but they didn't know that they that, were that she was actually in the car the whole time. No, and I I read this article that was about the sister. Um, I mean, like like I said, you know, they're all from South Carolina, but I think she lives in Arizona now, and she moved to get away from like the. I guess she was they you know she kind of felt like people were making her guilty by association, but she says she knew that Pee-wee was bad. I mean, she said all her life she remembered, like, because, I mean, I think he, she either said he was 12 years older or 16 years older than her. They had the same mom, but not the same dad. But, um, she said that, you know, she was little, she was so much younger than him, but all she could remember about him was him in and out of prison. So she knew he was trouble. But I guess, you know, even though she knew he was trouble, I guess they never suspected him of killing his own niece. You know? Yeah. So, and you really don't want to think your family could do something like that. Now, most people thought that Pee-wee was mentally disturbed and they steered clear of him. There were others, though, that considered him a friend. And one of those friends was a lady by the name of Doreen Dempsey. She was the mom of a two-year-old and she was pregnant with another child when she asked um, Pee-wee for a ride to the bus station. And instead of taking them to the bus stop... He drove them to a deserted wooded area where he raped, sodomized, and killed them. Then he later buried them together. He's just, he's just, I don't even know what to say. Um, Neither. In 1975, when Pee Wee was 42, he had been on his killing spree for six years at that time. And I guess age was starting to slow him down a little bit because when he killed three people whose van had broken down, he called for help from an ex-convict that he knew by the name of Walter Neely. Pee-wee asked him to drive the van to his garage so he could repaint it and then resell it. That same year, Suzanne Kipper hired him as a hitman for $1,500. She wanted him to kill her ex-boyfriend, Silas Yates. On February the 12th, 1975, an accomplice of Pee-wee's lured Silas out of his house by saying that her car was broken down and that's when Pee-wee attacked him and kidnapped him. He murdered Silas while two more accomplices watched. The three accomplices helped Pee-wee bury Silas. Several others became victims of Pee-wee's before he was caught including a 13 year old girl by the name of Kim Gelkins. Gelkins was missing from the Charleston area and when they, re- when they searched Pee-wee's apartment they found clothing that belonged to her. In the beginning, there wasn't enough evidence to tie him to her disappearance, so they charged him with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Well, while they were waiting this trial to start for those charges, Walter Neely cracked under the pressure and showed police Pee-wee's private cemetery, like where he had buried off his victims. And I, I also read that that was like really close to his family's property. How do, how do you not notice that? Like, I know. Well, he's just back there digging. <laughs> oh, he's digging sand. It's fine. Uh, I, I know. Well, when they took the police out there, they found a total of eight bodies, including those of Doreen Dempsey and her little, the little baby, that, or the child that he had killed, and a, a person by the name of Dennis Bellamy. On April 27, 1976, Gaskins and Neely were charged with eight counts of murder. And on May the 24th of the same year, Pee-wee was found guilty of the murder of Dennis Bellamy and sentenced to death. 
In an attempt to avoid additional death sentences, Gaskins confessed to seven more murders. Six months later, the Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional, so his death sentence was converted to life in prison. However, in 1978, the death sentence was restored, but this didn't necessarily mean that Pee Wee would be executed. And it wasn't until he was charged with and convicted of the death of an inmate by the name of uh, William Pierce that Gaskins received the death penalty. In the early morning hours of September 6, 1991, the day that he was scheduled to be executed, Pee-wee tried to kill himself by attempting to slit his own wrist. Now, a few days before he did this, he's actually swallowed a razor. And when he got ready to try to kill himself, he vomited the razor back up. Now, to me, it just seems like that whole process would have cut him up on the inside and he would have bled out like that. Yeah. And it would just, he would have already died. I don't know if maybe he wrapped it in something to make it not cut up his insides. I don't know. Well, it didn't work. Um... But it was kind of like he was telling them that, you know, he always has lived by his own terms and he was going to die, you know, on his own terms. But like I said, that attempt failed. And at 1 a.m., he was strapped into the electric chair at the Broad River Correctional Institution in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. His last words were, I'll let my lawyers talk for me. I'm ready to go. Now, one thing that I found a bit fascinating about Gaskins is that he never used the same method of murder. Sometimes he'd beat him to death, and um, there was some that he shot in the back of the head. And it was like he was either just plain out insane, or he, you know, he was trying to throw off the cops. Or maybe a little bit of both. Now, I was, like, really young at the time he was committing his crimes, you know, and I don't remember it actually happening. And at the time of his execution, I was 19, so I do remember that. But the main thing that I can remember is, like, the older people around me talking about how horrible of a man he was. But now, back then, I hadn't got, like, fascinated by serial killers or anything like that yet. And we didn't have the internet to, like, do a whole lot of research. So, um, I just never really put a whole lot of thought into it. But, um, I don't know. I think... He's probably going to always, like, rank near the top of, of my most notorious, like, serial killer list. Yeah. I mean, Richard Ramirez will always be number one, but <laughs> old Pee-wee, he's up there at the top. Pee-wee. Pee-wee. But, I don't know, I, I just, we always think about how it's so quiet here in South Carolina, and we don't think of stuff like that happening, but it has and fortunately, there hasn't been, like, anything on a scale of, like, what he did since then. But, I mean, I'm, that's not to say it won't ever happen again. Yeah, exactly. So, you never know. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Alex, do you have anything to add? I like the name Pee-wee, but that's about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> this guy is weird. Um, yeah. That's all I got to say. Well... So, you know, check out the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash 3mpodcast. If you have anything to say, ask um, episode ideas, just send us an email at 3mpodcast3 at gmail.com. 
Y'all have a good rest of your day.